She's like, I can't believe Judy Dench got nominated. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a bonus episode of Sundays with Kate. We are going to talk briefly about reactions to the 2022 Oscar nominations. And my guest for this conversation is Izzy from Be Kind Rewind. Hello, Izzy. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing wonderful. We just talked about Carol, but we're going to continue talking about the Oscar nominations and kind of like since this is a Kate Blanchett podcast, I just want to start with the fact that Kate was sort of up for a nomination. Not really. She got that SAG nomination for Nightmare Alley. And, you know, a lot of pundits were like expecting her to get nominated. I don't know why. But what has happened is that the two movies she had this year were both nominated for Best Picture. Um, Don't Look Up and Nightmare Alley. So now she has been in nine Best Picture nominees, which makes her the number one actress with the most appearances in Best Picture nominees. So, Kate, congratulations on that. You did it. You did it. Um, It's so funny because I think when I look at the Best Picture nominees, I don't really like this this crop, but, like, I think Don't Look Up is definitely at the bottom of it, and Nightmare Alley is maybe in the middle. It's definitely the two. I love Kate, but they're not my favorites. Yeah, I definitely think she has peaks and valleys and don't look up might be in a valley yes absolutely (laughs) let's start start talking with the category that she was up for so the five women who were nominated whose names are not Kate Blanchett are Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter Ariana DeBose in West Side Story Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog Andrew Ellis in King Richard and the surprise was Kate's Notes in a Scandal co-star Judy Dench in Belfast. So what so Izzy, I was sort of heartbroken by this category. They announced it first, and my strategy with these Oscar nominees, because the Oscars always break your heart. So my strategy this year was like, I'm gonna just concentrate on one nominations that I really want to happen, and I'll forget about anything and it won't matter. But the thing is, the nomination that I really concentrated on was I wanted Ruth Negga to get nominated for passing, and she was not. And she should have been. And she should have been. Yeah. I should I should give this little disclaimer to to the listeners out there, which is that I have not seen like half of these movies. <laughs> so when I say something is the the best I saw, it is with the um, caveat that it is the best among the half that I've seen. Yeah. But what I will say is that. Of the past year, I was very underwhelmed by a lot of, of, of performances, but Ruth Nega's performance in Passing was by far my favorite. It made me so excited about her as an actress and how she's growing and like all of the roles that she is going to get in her future. Like I wanted to see her as uh, Blanche in streetcar. Like after I came out of that movie, mm-hmm. I was like, you need a hefty, like you're incredible. And I like you was truly devastated that she wasn't getting the attention yeah. she really deserved for that. And this is sort of like my, um, my frustration with the Oscar. And we just talked about Carol, which is a movie that is about the internal lives of women. And it was famously not nominated for best picture. And I think passing is like, takes that and doubles it. 
because it is a, a movie like Carol about the internal lives of women, in this case, two other women, just like Carol, but also it's about Black women. It's about this concept of passing. It's about women that who may be queer. So it's all things that the mostly straight male academy does not respond to. Like, I think I was talking to a friend of mine, Valerie Complex, and she was like, I'm very happy queer actors were nominated this year in Kristen Stewart for Spencer and Ariana DeBose for a side story. But I was like, they are playing archetypes. They are, one of them is literally an angelic mother figure. That's Diana Spencer. And the other is a woman mourning her man. So the actors are queer and congratulations on the nomination, but they are playing complete archetypes that the Academy always responds to. Absolutely. I mean, not to mention that Ariana DeBose will likely win for the only other role or the exact same role that the only other Latina to have ever won in that category. Yes. One for, which is like, Oh yeah. Oh, the Academy except ca- for, except for uh, Lupita Nyong'o who was born in Mexico. So I guess that also, that counts as well. So second, second win. Yeah. But you're right. Like they can't, their, their imagination is so limited that they can't actually even think. Mm-hmm. of anything except nominating the same character again in a yeah. yeah, it's kind of depressing, actually. The one nomination I was happy for here is Kirsten Dunst. Like, I have to say, I love Power of the Dog. It's, it's my favorite movie of the year, you know, give or take passing. I love Jane Campion. But I was sort of underwhelmed by Kirsten Dunst in that movie. I think she played um, this, the, there were sort of like two things happening to that woman. One of them is she was drunk or a drunk. I don't think she really convinced me she was a drunk, but she played the depression well. So I, so to me, that's why I didn't respond to that performance. But she is someone who has like a big, huge filmography. And so it's time. So from that perspective, I'm like, yes, go for it. She should be nominated. I kind of like to think about her nomination and Kristen Stewart's nomination in tandem. I haven't seen Power of the Dogs. So I can't really speak to that. But I think like Kirsten Dunst seems like one of those actors who is sort of seen as not being prestige because she started as like an object of aspiration for teen girls. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, I think Kristen Stewart still has this problem, like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting Twilight off her back for some people and a lot of people who are just like, she's not a good actress, which is not an informed opinion in my opinion. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, but with um Kirsten Dunst, I think it's kind of similar. Like she's been doing this very interesting indie work for a really long time. And like Melancholia is like one of <laughs> the best movies performances ever. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of surprising that we're just getting around to this now. But I do think like I think the timeline has sped up a lot. So like Kristen Stewart isn't going to have to wait the same number of decades that Kirsten Dunst is, you know what I mean? But like, um, and obviously didn't cause she's here too, but like, it kind of just sucks that it's taken this long to recognize her, um, given her body of work. Yeah. I think we're both not really fans of Spencer. I'm a fan of Stewart, but I'm not a fan of Spencer. I think Spencer yeah. is a lot of twirling with no substance. Yeah. To, yeah. That's basically how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I Um, loved, I mean, not to like talk about Deborah Carr for the eighth time, but like there was 10 minutes of Spencer that was just the innocence. And I was like, I love this. (laughs) If this were the whole movie, if you just made this movie a horror movie, I'd be so down. 
yeah. and like about her isolation and like feeling trapped and stuff. But it just becomes an episode of The Crown to me in a way that I was like, I'm I'm done. And like, this. did it really have to be about Diana Spencer? Because I don't know. I don't think Pablo Larian is really interested in Diana Spencer because he doesn't really. I mean, first of all, Diana was, you know, you know, don't speak ill of the dead. But I like Diana was not that interesting to sort of warrant all these works about her, frankly. And if Pablo Larian just wanted to make a story about a woman in a cult or a rich woman in a cult or a rich woman in a haunted house, just do that. Why did it have to be Diana Spencer? That's what I was thinking about the whole time I'm watching that movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, it made me want to rewatch Jackie for sure, because I remember I've only seen it once and I remember really liking it. And so I am curious. I'd love to see how that holds up. Yeah, I like Jackie, but I have to say with Spencer and the miniseries he did with Julianne Moore called Lizzie's Story, I've decided I no longer like Pablo Larian. I think he's just not for me. Um, Like, you know, we are severing our relationship. I used to think he's a director I like. Now I don't, so. Wants what Todd Haynes has. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, but... (laughs) But since we're talking about the Oscars, joining Kristen Stewart in Best Actress are Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, and Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So the less we talk about Being the Ricardos, the better. Um, the only thing I really, you know, I don't want to be negative, but the snub that I really loved was that the fact that Aaron Sorkin wasn't nominated Me for too. screenplay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll say about Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman is a great actress, you know, I'm, you know, when this movie was sort of earmarked for Kate and she had creative differences with Aaron Sorkin and she left. Um, and I'm happy she left because I don't have to care about being the Ricardos or talk about it that much. Um, but I'll just say that I didn't get Lucille Ball. Like Lucille Ball is the entertainer to end all entertainers. And Nicole Kidman's interpretation of her is just like some businesswoman. She was very subdued. And I'm like, where is Lucille Ball in this performance? I mean, I do think one of the things that was interesting about that movie, not necessarily that it achieved this, but that it was trying to tell the difference between Lucille Ball and Lucy, right? Like the difference between the woman that we like think of as this amazing comedian and like who she really kind of was behind the scenes, which is like a little bit of a bitch, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, totally fair. And I don't mean that in a qualitative or judgmental way, just like, you know, she's assertive. She's a boss Mm -hmm. leading her own company. Like she's going to get shit done. That's just how you have to be. Um, So I did, I did appreciate that it kind of tried to, you know, carve that different, she or that difference out. Um. But I don't think like that difference works when both sides of that person are performed well. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, Nicole Kidman was really uh, great in the scenes where she was like the businesswoman. Mm -hmm. And then when you cut to, oh, I'm coming up with this amazing skit. I just organically have this idea about grapes (laughs) and then she has to do it. And you're like, see, that's where you're not. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it just, that's where it really fell flat for me where it was, it just, it couldn't be both because you can't like, there's only one Lucy, you know, (laughs) it's so hard. It's so hard and it's not her fault. 
but it's it sucks. The other thing that you and I both have talked about in general is that Best Actress never links to Best Picture. And this year, actually being the Ray Carters was the only movie that was sort of had a chance to be nominated in Best Picture. And at the end, it didn't. And so it just says, it tells you, it shows you that the Academy is not really interested in the stories of women. Because even being the Ricardos, while it is kind of about Lucille Ball, it is about the industry, which is their favorite topic. So if they nominated it, it would have been because of that. Yeah. And I mean, it's about 1,200 things, which is part of why I didn't think it was a very successful movie. It's like, was the blacklist not interesting enough that you needed to add an affair, weight issues, the word pregnancy, censorship? There's like 100 things going on. (laughs) So it's sort of like... You know, anyway. Which is great that the screenplay was not nominated. Uh, yeah. My favorite in, in Best Actress this year, and I'm 100% behind her, it was Lady Gaga. And we can talk about that in a minute. But my favorite of the nominees is Jessica Chastain. Um, Jessica oh, that's Chastain, interesting. Say more. Um, Jessica Chastain, when she first came out, was this actor who I s- sort of thought had a lot of range just because... The first three movies that we saw from her were The Tree of Life, The Help, and Zero Dark Thirty. And there was so much difference and range in those three characters. And I'm like, oh, her range is limitless. But then for a long time after that, she took one kernel of her character in Zero Dark Thirty, who was sort of like, quote unquote, the strong woman. And she played a string of those in movies that did not work, that were completely humorless, even when she's doing like a big movie where um, that Snow White sequel with Emily Blunt and Charlize Theron, who were like camping it up. She was so serious as if she was doing her interpretation of Joan of Arc. And I'm just like, what is this? What has happened to all that vivacity and humor and range that you showed in the first three movies? I think with Tammy Faye, she brought it back. With Tammy Faye, she showed somebody who is, you know, full of life and a big sort of, it's the sort of character I like. She's performing Tammy as Tammy is performing her persona. And she gave her a lot of heart. Like, I never thought I would, like, feel so much for a televangelist who sort of, like, she's kind of a dubious character. Like, even though the, the movie's sort of from her point of view and it's trying to tell us it was not her fault or whatever. But, you know... But I think the performance brought all these things out. And for that, it's my favorite of these five. I think it's not a great movie, but I love the performance. I think you're right. Totally. Um, I So I was very similar. I was like very much captaining the Jessica Chastain standship in 2013. Like I was obsessed because, and truly, I don't think we've seen a, an inaugural year from an actor that strong in a really long time. Yeah. Like it's, it's very extraordinary. And then I kind of like lost track because like you said, like so many of the scripts <laughs> were either just very bad or they were just not what she needed. Like she's really strong in these domestic dramas, like uh, scenes from a marriage or like mm-hmm. most violent year, those are all that's really stunning work from her. But it's like, why are you an X-Men? Mm-hmm. Like it just it just didn't make sense. And so now that she's getting into producing, I mean you get this, but then you also get three 355 or whatever, which I haven't seen. But yeah, 
I don't think um, we need to see that. <laughs> yeah. But I think like this proved to me sort of what you were saying is like, I think she has the range. Like everybody kind of suspects she does and that she's sh- shown, but it's just like the collaborators just haven't clicked yet because to me, like she was the only person who knew what that movie needed to be. Tammy Faye. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was the right director for that movie. Like no offense. I mean, I, I really like his work elsewhere, but it just, it kind of like so many of the elements fell flat to me and it was really hard to like jump over the hurdle of that movie falling flat to really appreciate her for what she was doing. Yeah. So the other two nominees are Penelope Cruz, who I love, and I'm happy that she got a nomination again for working with Pedro Almodovar. Um, It is a great performance and it is, I think, one of the best. I just think they have both done better work together. And I know that I am in a minority because I'm talking to all my Pedro obsessive friends and they're like, no, this is the best. This is Penelope's best performance (laughs) in a Pedro movie. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to go see this movie again. But I'll let you talk about Olivia Coleman, and she is becoming the new Meryl or Kate or Nicole She's or whatever. Like a, maybe our Glenda Jackson. Who knows? Um, I love Olivia Coleman. I have never disliked one of her performances. I just think she's really phenomenal. Um, th- I think that movie I had trouble with um, just connecting the character. I. I sort of felt like Olivia and um, Jesse were on different pages a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I mean, that being said, like for Olivia doing her part, it was very, very beautiful. It's just, it's a hard role. And I have a feeling that a lot of it's not flashy enough. She kind of has that one scene where she has a little bit of a breakdown, Mm -hmm. Um, but who knows, maybe like her reputation will come through because it is a very stunning performance and who knows, maybe there's a little bit of, um, biopic fatigue. (laughs) I I mean, I, you know, I I wish, (laughs) I wish maybe, um, this year, I think the biopics are just, I can't, you know, the one person who was not nominated who wasn't a biopic is Jennifer Hudson. So as usual, the Academy just believes only white actresses deserve to be nominated in Best Actress. Um, one of the things that was really heartbreaking to me today about the fact that I don't love Respect that much, but I don't. I think she's maybe better than Nicole Kidman if we're putting all the biopic performances together. Mm-hmm. I would definitely rank her above Nicole Kidman, maybe not above Jessica Chastain. But the one sort of like thing... If Jennifer Hudson and Rusnega were nominated today, they would have almost doubled the number of Black actresses who were nominated more than once. Because yeah. as it stands now, it's only Octavia Spencer, Viola Davis, and Moody Goldberg. Three Black actresses in the history of the Academy, 90-something years, who's been nominated at once. Like Meryl Streep can do 20-something nominations, but the ceiling for Black actresses is one. And that's yeah. it. And I remember... Because a good portion of my Sissy SpaceX video is about biopics specifically. And like, I ran the numbers on that shit. I made graphs. And like, the number of Black actresses who have been nominated for biopics is less than the number of times Meryl alone has been nominated for biopics. Like, it's shocking. Shocking. Yeah. I mean, you know, Frances McDormand has three. And best actresses and all black actresses have won 
which was won by Halle yeah. Berry. So, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's incredible in a bad way. So just to, you know, to get away from this and to make it fun, who's getting your vote? I know you haven't seen Parallel Mothers, but if you were voting right now, who would you give Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress? Oh, God. (laughs) I feel like exactly the voter that I hate, which is like an uninformed one. (laughs) Listen, I think um, they should have to submit stubs to vote. You know, you have a few weeks to watch, so... You're uninformed now, but by the time the vote comes, you will be informed. It's true. Um, Okay. As of right now, I think I'm voting for Ariana and probably Olivia Coleman. I don't know. I'm so attracted to voting for Kristen Stewart because I think like her as a celebrity is so necessary and interesting. Mm -hmm. And so like to fold her in as a best actress winner is like really cool intellectually speaking. Yeah. But I just like have this aversion now to this kind of movie and it's really holding me back and that's not her fault and that's not the performance's fault, but yeah, isn't that how these things turn out? (laughs) Totally. I mean, the thing is you can't be subjective. You have to vote, you know, as they say, your heart. Um, if I was voting, as I said, I would vote Chastain because, you know, she has given us a lot and she, she's the, you know, Coleman and Kidman or Anne Cruz have already won. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, spread the wealth, give it to spread Chastain. Yeah. Um, and I just can't divide Spencer. So I'm not voting for Stewart, but I can't <laughs> wait for her next movie. And as far as I'm concerned, they should just cancel best supporting actress i think i'm just too hurt by the fact that bruce nega wasn't nominated i can't bring myself to yeah you're doing a right somebody. <laughs> yeah it's a right in um so easy let's briefly talk about the men oh we have to talk about men but that's okay i Ooh. think i was very happy that <laughs> jesse plemons got nominated for the power of the dog especially that he and his wife um get to be nominees together um in the same year and their co-star, Cody Smith-McPhee, was also in Supporting Actor, Troy Coster in Coda, J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos. You know, every time I mention Being the Ricardos, something comes into me. I'm possessed. Um, Sadly, that is like that and Coda are the only things I've seen out of the men, which shows you how much I pay attention to them. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to it's a very boring character. Uh, the other nominee is Karen Hines in Belfast. I think it's a very boring sort of um nominees there but jesse plemons in my book he gave the best performance in the power of the dog um he he didn't have as much as the other three all four were nominated he didn't have as much as the other three but his moments were just more impactful to me i think he's a great actor um and this is sort of like i think he's welcome to the club and i know this probably reminds me of philip seymour hoffman just because they kind of look alike he did play his son once But he's sort of like that actor, like a Philip Seymour Hoffman or a Michael Shannon, who's sort of like such a great character actor that you can see him chosen by so many amazing directors and given so many different roles that I think we are going to be watching him for like the next 30, 40 years. Um, He's just perpetually reliable. Yeah, absolutely. And he he will get many nominations. This is the first of many. Mm hmm. I like Cody Smith McPhee a lot too. Um, I first saw him in a movie called the Congress, which I think is in like 
the most important movie that anyone can watch. It's so weird. But like, as we enter into metaverse territory in terms of like creating a digital avatar of yourself, you need to watch the Congress. Yes. Is that the Robin Wright movie? Yes. Oh, I didn't know he was in that. Yeah. I saw that movie and I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. He plays her son. Oh, okay. That's him. That's where I first saw him. And I was like, who is this child? And so now I'm glad that he's, I don't know, around all the time. Yeah. So Jesse Plemons gets my vote and I guess Cody gets your vote. Cody is very good. And I think he's also served by the fact that the second half of the movie is all about his character. And so Mm -hmm. you watch this movie and it's a great movie and Happy Jane Campion got nominated again, the only woman to be nominated twice. But I think as far as performances go, you leave the movie thinking of Cody Smith McPhee, which I guess gives him an advantage in the movie and in the category. So Hmm. he's probably the winner. Is there like a, has someone been a critical favorite thus far? Like is someone leading in terms of- It was Cody Smith McPhee who's the critical favorite. Got it. And I think the industry really likes Coda. So Troy Coster is his like, you know, runner-up or competitor for the win. Got it. And so let's talk about the other actor um, category, best actor, Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog again, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth and Will Smith in King Richard. Um, again, this is sort of like, the, these were the expected five to get nominated. Um mm-hmm. I'm not excited about any of these performances. I think I like Andrew Garfield as an actor. And I think he sort of did that sort of like, it's, you know, when people say live wire, I now just think of him and his hair in this movie. Like he gave a live wire performance, which I think maybe 70% of the critics who uh, wrote about this movie said, but it is true. He's like, he's just so manic in the film and he goes here and there. It's a very big performance. I would dare to say it's an actress performance. And so naturally, but it is my favorite, maybe, Um, give or take Benedict Cumberbatch, who is served really by just how masterful Jane Campion is in sort of like guiding these performances and showcasing them. Yeah. Was um, Tragedy of Macbeth nominated for cinematography? Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And production design. The trailer for that was so gorgeous. So many people are doing really muddy black and whites now when they choose to do it. I haven't seen that movie <laughs> like many of these movies, but uh, yeah, if it, if it was like that for the whole film, it seems very impressive. It is impressive. And I think as somebody who loves to see artifice, I love to see the artifice in movies. Like I enjoyed that about Macbeth. Like it was as if they were just in one big set and, you know, Joel Cohen talked about German expressionism and it's true. Like that's the yeah. influence there. And so it's very artificial. I think Denzel is great and he did a complete new sort of like I haven't seen Macbeth like this before like not just because he cast older actors to play these roles which are usually done by people much younger but I think I it's the first time that I felt sympathy for Macbeth because he's just like grasping this is somebody's last hurrah trying to grasp at the end of his life um Hmm. maybe I'll vote maybe my vote goes to Denzel I don't know I love Denzel yeah Sure, I'm going to vote for him too. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so the t- we we started this podcast with the fact that Don't Look Up, which we won't talk about. We did an episode on that. Go listen to it. And Nightmare Alley, the two Kate Blanchett films were nominated. They were joined by Dune, 
Drive My Car, Belfast Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story, King Richard, and Coda. Um, and then from there, obviously, five of these directors were Jane Campion, Kenneth Branagh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi, Steven Spielberg, and Paul Thomas Anderson were nominated for Best Director. And I think this is a year where Best Director and Best Picture uh, will go together, and it will be Jane Campion. Um, if I was ranking these, I would rank Power of the Dog at the top. Um, and then, frankly, I don't care for any of the other movies. I think King Richard sort of does what it's supposed to do as an uplifting biopic sports movie. Um, Coda is a little sentimental. Drive My Car is an amazing movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of one of those movies that you just, it, it's three hours long, but it washes over you. So I think that's the accomplishment for me, the one that right, right behind the power of the dog here. Um, the one I really didn't care for, which is why I'm not voting for Ayanna DeBose, but I know you've seen it, is West Side <laughs> Story, which I think to me, casting, you know, the brown face is obviously something that needed to be corrected and casting the mm-hmm. right actors was something that needed to be done but I always hear people who are like Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg did so many changes and reinvented West Side Story but I think all they did was make write that character for um, Rita Moreno and they didn't make enough changes they were so beholden to the text that I felt like I already love the score, so and the music, and what have you done? Um, so, Izzy, what do you what did you think of this interpretation of West Side Story? I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I went in very, very cynical because I just, <laughs> I think, have reasons to think the worst of like remakes and this kind of thing in Hollywood. So, I was kind of expecting a disaster and a lot of the promotional material truly just looked awful. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought it was very, very well directed. There were parts that for me, maybe even surpassed the original. I'm thinking of like very specific things though. Like for example, the officer Krupke number, I thought was very good in this one. Um, Overall, I think the old one is better. Mm-hmm. I don't think this one made changes in a way that made the reboot necessary, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I agree there. If you're going to uh, revive a story that is like that iconic, right? You want mm-hmm. something to be shifted in a way that makes it feel like a new take. This kind of feels like a new take. But more than anything, it feels like it's trying to be corrective for like mistakes and like oh things that the original overlooks mm-hmm. in a way that don't actually impact the story or like really make it better, but just sort of prove that like society has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. were just kind of trying to add context or Um, cultural signifiers that I think are really, really important, but ultimately like don't really shift the story or add anything new. And the fact that they're coming from these two like white filmmakers also Mm -hmm. kind of makes it seem a little strange. Yeah. Um, I think there's just like a huge amount of hubris that goes into 
trying to tackle this story specifically as like your first musical, um, not only that it's like iconic, but also like famously bad at portraying a culture that is not yours. (laughs) Yeah. And so you um, go and do it again. Yeah. So you do it again. Like it's very strange. And I know that they put in the work or whatever, but I just don't, it's, it reads strange to me now, like in 2022. Um, so I don't know. I completely agree with all these points. Like it's completely watchable, but to me it was watchable because of the music and the score. And so yeah, I just end at that point exactly. Why was this necessary? And why was it done by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner? Like I, I think that. my favorite review of it, which is actually just a headline. And I think it's from Vulture was, do you like West Side Story? Then you'll love West Side Story. <laughs> yes. Which is like, that's it. You know, it's like, if you like loved it, it's because you love the show already. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it wasn't, it was like smartly directed. And there were definitely things that like prove obviously how literate Steven Spielberg is as a director. Like, Mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, And that's not easy, especially if you've never done it before, but it's just like, okay. I think it's easy to like overlook it because it feels familiar basically. Yeah. And I mean, they didn't fix the problems. Like the problem with West Side Story, besides the brown face, was that the two leads are boring. They're still boring. The most interesting character is Anita. It's still Anita. Like, how, mm-hmm. where, why couldn't you? They were so beholden to the text. They were so sort of in reverence to it that they didn't actually make any radical changes. Like, fix the problems. Like, there are yeah. problems in West Side Story. One of my friends, I was on his podcast, we were talking about it, and he came up with the suggestion, like, if the whole thing had been rewritten to be from Anita's perspective, it would have been fucking amazing. And that's how, like, that's a great idea, you know? Just, yeah. like, completely reshift, like, shift the framing of it um, in a way that can, like, give a new perspective on that because it's so, I mean, if you think about like Anita selling out her friend in the end is wild. And like, I want more insight into that. I would love to know mm-hmm. like what she yeah. goes through knowing what happens later or, you know, what happens to her as a result of nearly being raped. Like yeah. that's, that's all stuff that you could really mine for a new take on it. Yeah. And they didn't sort of my biggest bone to pick with the Mm -hmm. Academy is that they failed to nominate Lady Gaga. Um, And not because I think the performance is the best of the year. I think it's a very worthy performance and I think it's probably better than at least two in the category. Um, But the reason I am most mad at the Academy is that the House of Gucci press tour has now ended. Uh, we are not it's gonna, true it's so sad we're not gonna get any more interviews with lady gaga she's not gonna tell us about the flies that patricia sent her or how she gets drunk on the prop water or stanislavski or all mm. these things so let's raise a glass to the best press tour of like the decade like i would enjoy it every yeah. minute i enjoyed the press tour as much as i enjoyed the performance I truly was gunning for her because I have so much to say about what, about what she was trying to do, whether consciously or not on this press tour that I think is like absolutely fascinating. And like the, it, it is essentially a parody of campaigning is what she was doing. And like, I don't, I don't think that she was necessarily doing that on purpose. Maybe she was 
idea of like the things that she emphasized and like the moments she tried to make um, are so telling of like what people think campaigning is and like what purpose it serves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's honestly so fascinating. And I just think the reaction to her is also just something that reminds me so much of the work that I do on my channel, because I spend a lot of time parsing through reactions to very big attention seeking women. Mm-hmm. And like, when I look back on how people responded to like share trying to act or, you know, not trying, like actually acting um, yeah. or how like people responded to Elizabeth Taylor's behavior mm-hmm. or like how, you know, big headed these women could be, or how narcissistic quote unquote narcissistic they were, or like self-serving. It's the same thing. It's like, People love to look back and be like, haha, Elizabeth Taylor did that. Like that bitch, she really went there. She did X, Y, Z. And then when they're seeing Gaga doing something, they're like, Ugh. you know, it's like, we're not immune to the same types of reactions mm-hmm. that these kinds of women's have always gotten. And it's so interesting to see that play out in real time. It's like, do you really want to be the person that was in 1988 being like, Cher's not an actress. Like, shut up. like, yeah, like maybe she didn't give the best performance that year, but like, you look like an asshole. Cause like, <laughs> so just stop. And people have this sort of reaction to, to Gaga. That's just like that. And I, I frankly, she gave a great performance. I love that performance. And I think she's doing a lot of work to live that movie. And I think she's somebody like as the presser, I think, she's very serious in that press tour. Yes, it sort of comes out as a parody, but she's very serious and she's trying to tell us she's serious by talking about Stanislavski. But I, if she had talked about Elizabeth Taylor, I think maybe she would have endured herself to more people because I think she is giving an Elizabeth Taylor performance. She is giving that sort of bigger than live star performance that she fills the frame with the performance. It is absolutely a wonderful performance. My tweet when I left that movie was that she's giving a late Elizabeth Taylor performance. (laughs) Like it's, it's like a little unhinged, Yeah, but it's fascinating and it's, it's attractive because it's big, you know, it's, that doesn't make it bad. It just means like, it's a different kind of acting and we're so obsessed now. And she kind of is obsessed in a way with like disappearing Mm -hmm. and like, being similar to, especially in biopics, the original figure. Mm -hmm. So that if someone is big or someone like tries or achieves a different kind of acting, it's like, well, that's not acting. That's bad. Yeah. And And it's not. Yeah. And she's trying to sell herself as the latter because that's what people want. Even though like what she achieves there is not something that like Kristen Stewart could do. Like Kristen Stewart can nail Diana's accent in a way that she can't nail Patricia's, but like who's imitating Kristen Stewart? Like we're all obsessed with the way that she performs Patricia. Like it doesn't matter how real it is. And like that, the fact that she can achieve like that kind of like other, like strange performance is more interesting to me. It doesn't mean that it's better. Like it's just way more interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, acting is always an approximation of the truth and people sort of love the minimalist sort of like, oh, it's real. 
But I think the the acting I respond to, which is why I did this podcast, is and that, that I talk about a lot with you and with others, is the theatricality in Kate's performances. But I think Gaga takes it even um, a lot more in that she, you just can't take your eyes off her. I don't think she got the psychology of Patricia, right? But who cares? She was yeah. completely watchable at every moment. I was just watching her because... Every time she does, she moves left or she moves right or she says something or she crosses her heart. I was just like mesmerized. And that is the definition of a star. And you know that when she's out of the movie is when it lags. Yeah. Like her presence improves the film, which isn't something that you can say for a lot of actors. (laughs) And to be honest, I think just like the fact that she is behaving like a movie star is just great because so many people are are like afraid of their own fame or try mm-hmm. to temper it or like pretend that they're normal and they're not. And Lady Gaga is not pretending like she's some girl next door because she's not. It's like yeah. Joan Crawford said, if you want the girl next door, go next door. And <laughs> I am just obsessed with like her twirling her big purple dress and like, you know, <laughs> seemingly making Adam a little uncomfortable (laughs) on the red carpet. Like it's so funny. And it's like, we need someone to shake it up like that. And it kind of sucks that, that that's over for at least for this year. Yeah. So the Academy deprived us of five more weeks of the wonderful lady Gaga and her antics and theatrics and her wonderful press tour. And for that, you get a big lump. Who's going to watch now? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The stands will turn out. And they, that's the other thing is like Gucci, if you're, if you're talking about how to measure a movie star, like that's one of the better performing films of the year that wasn't Spider-Man, you know, like people showed up for her in that, at least in that first week, I think the drop-off was pretty steep, but. No, it made a lot more money. It was, it was one of the, one of the very few real hits this year. Yeah. And that's star power. Yeah. So. And the Oscars have deprived themselves of this star power. So, <laughs> so Izzy, thank you so much for talking to me about the Oscars. Thank you. Um, thank you for letting me vent about Gaga. <laughs> yes. I think we both are fans of Gaga. Um, is Before we leave, tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. Uh, yes, you can find me at Be Kind Rewind on YouTube, where I do video essays um, I'm BK Rewind on Twitter and BK underscore Rewind on Instagram. And you have to go follow the BK Rewind YouTube channel for Izzy. You will, if you love this conversation, you'll find lots of amazing um, work that Izzy does on that YouTube channel. And you can find me on Twitter at me underscore says and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sundays with Kate. And until next time, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.